0: Welcome and introduction to our uh, to our Choshevi guest, uh, Rabbi Arsul Reichman of uh, one of the, the Rosh Yeshiva at Yeshiva University. I want to take this opportunity to thank you uh, for giving us the gift of uh, of the the sureim of Rabbi, and uh, Rabbi Reichman. is published. This is the sixth or seventh volume. 6th volume of the Shurim of Rabbi Shalav which uh, around the world are famous, for this forum are famous, the Shurim of course are famous, the is famous. Uh, we use them all the time in the base Medrash, on the Mesechtas that we are learning, the ones that are out. Um, so Rabbi Reichman is not only a tremendous goon and Talmud Chochum, he's also a master of the Hasidic writings of many of the Hasidic uh, Rebbe, Rebbeim and Swarim, and uh, it is indeed a very great honor for us to have him with us this afternoon, this morning.
1: Thank you very much, everybody, uh, We are talking about Hasidus today. And, uh, the Sefer I use all the time is Shmuel. I recommend, and I'm going to be publishing uh, a safer very soon in English, so I hope that I'll be able to bring it over here also, within a year I wanted to discuss a certain topic, um, which I think is relevant to a lot of us, all of us probably. The topic is the topic of consistency uh, versus uh, uh, Variation, let's say. So he has two very interesting pieces uh, in this week's parasha Vayachi and last week in Vayigash. In, in parashas Vayichi, uh the Shein Shmuo is discussing uh, a very interesting question uh, at the very beginning of this week's parasha. It says Vayichii Yaakov, Beretz Misram Shvayes He lived in Mitzrayim for seventeen years and the Medrash and Rashi brings it down that these were the 17 best years of Yaakov Avinu's life. Because all the family was united and uh, B'chashem Shalom and they had a yeshiva and Goshen and it was just a wonderful time. Yosef was the prime minister so financially there was no problem. The question is why did this take place in Gullus? So everything is with Hashgach, everything God plans. So how can the best years of Yaakov Ovinu's life are in Gullus? He comes to power when he first comes down, he says, Ma'at V'roim, my whole life was one tribulation after the next, starting from my youth, from Esav to Lavan, to Dina, Yosef, every one terrible problem after the next, Rachel dies young, how come, now finally he has his, uh, his piece of bliss and blessing in this world, and it's in Mitzrayim, it's not in Israel. There's something, uh, Yaakov Avinu is the final of the three of us, so he uh, is considered to be the model for Jews. Because was Avraham, was Chesed, he was one type of person, and Yitzhak was Gevura, was a different type of person. And Yaakov is the Yitzchakal, This Yaakov puts everything together. And we're called B'nai Yisrael, we're called the children of Israel. So Yaakov Avinu is uh, the marvel for us, really, in terms of the real picture. And this takes place in Gullit, and so if you think about Jewish history... You also have a very uh, interesting, similar question that um, we spent more time in Gaulus than in Eretz Israel. We were in Eretz Israel approximately between, Bais, between uh, let's say, since Yoshua ben Nun until the end of region it's about 850 years. And then we spent another 400 or so odd years uh, Bayashen, it's altogether it's something like 1300 years meanwhile in Galos after the destruction of Bayashen until today uh, it's 1900 years so much more time has been spent by the Jewish people in exile than in Israel Now, know, Baruch Hashem was starting to come back to Israel but it's still a Galos not Mashiach yet so it's also a very strange thing, it's a very strange thing that the majority, the large majority of Jewish history is in exile. And some of it has been very pleasant, like the American exile. The American exile has been a very <coughs> pleasant Gullahs, really. So Seymour Shmuel uh, wants to talk about this question, and he, he develops the idea of consist- constancy versus variation, if you think about Yaakov in comparison to the twelve sons, you see that Yaakov is constant he is constant from the be- he 's an he 's described at the very beginning as an Ishtam, time yoshe Tom is Complete or perfect or simple, there's a certain simple constant factor about him. It's clear, simple. He's on his path, and and he stays this way from beginning to the end, basically, as he goes from one trouble to the next. He's Chazal uh, compare Yaakov Avinu to the Shemesh, to the sun. Now, the 12 sons, the 12 sons, um, they have their ups and their downs. So it's very clear in the Torah that the 12 sons have very serious problems and flaws of character, uh, whether it's very can of Boechov, and then, of course, the, the terrible crime of kidnapping and selling Yosef into slavery. They have their deep downs, and uh, it's expressed in a symbolic way in the pasuk which says, "Va'yered Yehuda." Yehuda goes down, and of course, it's not a nice story, even though the outcome is good. But the actual story when Yehuda goes down is not so pleasant. So the Achim have Yeridot; they have they fall, and they have Aliot, as the Igash. Yehuda goes up; he reaches the level of Yosef. So the twelve tribes and the Medrashim and other places are compared to the twelve months of the year, and each month of the year has its own different uh, characters, different uh, different temperatures and climate, and, and so on, and mood. Uh, and so are the Achim they're all different and uh, the month also is represented by the Yireach, by the moon and the moon is not constant the moon, the moon is very, it varies all the time, it has variation all the time it can disappear and become a full moon and everything in between so the Achim are compared to the Yireachim, the Chach to the moon they, ca- they have, they have Great moments and very black, dark moments. And that's very different than Yaakov. Yaakov is constant. He's a Shemesh, and they're the Uriah. Now, where, where does this come from? Where does this come from? So, what he wants to say is that. We have, we have a basic problem. Every human being has a basic problem. The basic problem, this is it's quite, it's, it's just the fundamental problem of, of the Sefer Tanya. The Sefer Tanya deals with this as the fundamental problem of, I guess, of life, human life. The basic problem is, are we real? Are we, are we a yesh? Are we something, or are we iron? We're nothing. Because when you think about God, think about God even a little bit, you you realize it's nothing, that we're nothing. And I, was, I just picked up this morning in, in the shul, I uh, picked up a sefer called Tzofnas Paneach. Tzofnas Paneach was written by Moshe Rosen a tremendous genius, didn't live that long ago, maybe a hundred years ago, and I was flipping through some of his chuvos. And uh, so there he explains a little bit what he's he's talking about. But in a simple paragraph, this man will quote 10, 12, 15 sources, every place, Yushalmi, Bavli, you name it. He's, and it's going page to page, and he's flipping. He's answering questions by, you know, going like a rocket ship through Shas, Babli, or Shalme. And uh, so I was you know, very impressed by his brilliance, because I know for me, to go through an Ahmed Gemara can take me an hour, and uh, Daffy Omi can sometimes take me three hours. And there's a man who's going through all of Shas in, uh, I don't know, a few seconds. It. So then I said to myself, when I was thinking about it, I said, but who created this mind? Who created this mind of Moshe Rosen? God. So God is much smarter than Moshe Rosen. <laughs> and he has all the great minds he created. So his mind is... It's, it goes at the speed of light. It's it's so fast. It's so has so much. Everybody's knowledge plus much, much, much more is in that godly mind. So you think about it and you say, "Well, what am I? What am I? Nothing." So you get this this iron concept. So if you th- it's a basic, uh, it's a basic uh, challenge. Are we yesh or are we Iron? different Sukim. Talk about it. So, what the Shane Shmuel says is that uh, if you want to be constant, and this is a very interesting point, this is a very profound point, I think we all would like to be constant. I think consistency is something all of us would like to have. But he says in a paradoxical way that if you want to be consistent then become an iron, Become nothing. If you're nothing you'll be consistent. If you're something you'll probably be inconsistent. Which I think is like it's the opposite of I think uh... American and Western values. American Western values are be something, and if you're something, you'll get control, and then you'll have consistency, because you'll control. And he's saying the opposite. He says, no, if you're something, you won't be able to control, because life is too complicated. You can't control other people. You may be able to control yourself, but how can you control somebody else? So by definition, you will never get control. So what's going to happen when you go with the concept of yesh, that I am something, and if I am something means I have power and I get control, then you're bound to be battered around. And you'll never be consistent. Because you think you control, and poof, something's going to smash that, and you will not have control. So then you're going to have the that you thought with control, you get the Aliyah. But meanwhile, because that other side is different, and pushing the other way, and you can't control it, you will have your yurida. So that's going to create the inconsistency. So what Shemishmul says is, by trying to get control, by trying to be a Yesh, you create, inevitably, uh, failure. Inevitably. If you're an Ayin... Nothing, that God run the world. So fine, you're not going to have any eridot. You're just going to go with God. So he says that Yaakov Avinu had this kolach of pittel hayesh, He was able to continuously put himself in God's presence, feel the feel the vastness of God, feel the the that he's. Very, very, very weak. Very, not, almost nothing, and and just move for, go forward as God takes him. So therefore, it doesn't make a difference where he is. It doesn't make a difference where he is. He could be in Israel. It's is a great environment. He could be in this little base, Madvish. Beautiful base, Madvish. Great environment, and he can be Stony Brook college campus. Terrible environment. Terrible. Uh, I'm not insulting anybody from Stony Brook. Just my humble opinion. Uh, just about like the environment, not you. You're good. It's the environment. So, uh, if he's an iron, if he just, you no know, let God take me. So wherever he is, he's going to be constant. That's his basic point. If he wants control... And he will not be able to be constant if he goes out into the antithetical environment out there it's an amazing, it's an amazing idea what he says it's a it's very difficult it's a very difficult idea for us uh, to first of all digest understand this idea and second of all to implement it is a tremendously difficult thing for us because we're in a world which pushes the yesh, pushes the idea that it's the me, it's the me, the now, and I, have to, I am supposed to have control. We're, we're programmed by the whole society around us and a lot of other, other situations which are pushing us to get control and to be in charge. Be in charge of my future. Plan my career. Plan my life. Be in charge. Save for retirement. You know, you're my age, so... Save for your retirement, so you'll be in control when you hit the age of 70. But I can tell you, after being at the age of 70, you don't get control. (laughs) It doesn't count. Um, And you can't save enough anyway. Because there's inflation... Uh, and I tell you the honest truth. That it, the, the Tanya, he was a brilliant man. So he he picked up this problem about two hundred years ago when he wrote his book Tanya, and uh, he talks a lot, a lot about it—the question of being a Yesh versus being an Ayin—and. Well, basically he's saying his basic resolution is that you're supposed to be both. It's supposed to be a yesh and an ayin. That's basically what the Tanya says. Uh, so truth is like this. If, we, if we, Let's try to do some Tanya uh, work on this. I mean, Moore gives us, let's say, personality types. Some people are this way. Some people are that way. Uh, but if you think about it, really, the way the Torah is set up, the Torah is is basically programming certain situations where it wants you to be a yesh, to do something, to take control, and to have energy and do things. Sometimes the Torah wants you to, to just let let God take you. just God take you? You know. Um, so in general. Generally speaking, let's say, for example, uh, the question of how do you react to, uh, to uh, let's say, someone is sick. I had this discussion actually yesterday with somebody. So, someone's sick. So, is prayer. And I mean, I'm not a doctor. So, what about praying? After to at the end of the day, God's going to decide whether this person will get well or not. So does my prayer make a difference? I mean, that I would like him to live, God knows anyway. So what's the point? What's the point? if it's, For me, God knows my interest. I want my friend or relative to stay alive, not to die. So why do I have to pray, or should I pray? So I had this discussion with somebody. I was saying, pray, pray, pray. And this person was telling me, prayer, I don't know. I mean, a little bit, but I don't believe it's going to make a difference. So The thing is like this, that when you go into prayer, you really have to have a double attitude. Have you, have you can't just be an... Sure, when you're praying and you're talking to God, you know that He's all-powerful. He's the only one who really can bring health this person okay. let's say the person has to go through a very very <coughs> severe and dangerous operation So, and that doctor and I had this experience with somebody not so long ago so that doctor had just killed somebody on the operating table and that doctor is coming in to operate on your brother But you know he killed someone yesterday. So what do you do? So you pray. So if Hashem is going to listen to your prayer, he's going to make that doctor do a miracle operation to cut exactly the right amount, to do exactly the right thing, do a textbook operation. Perfect. And your brother will come out well. If he makes one little mistake, your brother's dead. Who made that decision if the doctor will make the perfect operation and save that brother of yours, or will he make the little mistake and the brother dies? Who made that decision? This doctor has a track record. Sometimes he does it, sometimes he fails. It's Hashem. God decides that in this operation, this doctor will do it the right way sometimes God decides he won't do it the right way. So do you have the power to influence God's decision? The answer is you do have the power. That's what the Torah says. Because you choose, because you choose to pray, you're giving God this is a It's one of the chidushim of the Torah, that uh, people give God the power. God has all power, but he decided to transfer some of that power to people, and people can give it back to God. That's what's going on. God has all power. He doesn't need people at all, but he created people, and people have tremendous needs. So he says, okay... I'm giving away my power to you and now you give it back to me. So if you pray, you're telling God, I know you have the power, so please use it for my brother. And you gave me the power to give you the key to open up the door for that for that uh, so- solution, that salvation. That's what koach, that's what, tefillah is not just being an I, you know, you know basic to feel is, I have no power. All power is in Hashem's hand, God's hands. Let God please do it. I have no power. So there is definitely a basic attitude of being an ayin, of having being powerless in, in prayer. And the more we, we realize we're powerless, the more powerful the prayer. That's what the Gemara says. A person should make himself to be Completely but tell then he has then, because that 's true that 's what the truth is but but then, then it's like that person told me, then no, why should I pray? I have no power, but the answer is, you do have the power that through your prayer, you get God to do it, so when you go into prayer, and this is something I think we can all work on it's uh, when you go into prayer. Uh, yeah, we should go into it with this. Actually, like the Tanya says, you have to, You should really have both attitudes. On one hand, I'm powerless, and I'm completely at God's mercy. On the other hand, I have the power to get God to help me. I have that power. I am a yesh. I can get God to help me. You have to believe in. Have to believe in our power to influence Hashem, to do it. God made that decision when He told us, I want you to pray. He made it a mitzvah. And according to the Ramban, it's a mitzvah from the Torah. And the Dafka, according to the Ramban, the mitzvah is Sarah. when you have a terrible problem. Then you have a special mitzvah to pray. It's because God is saying, I'm giving you the power to influence me to get it to happen. So you can pray for... You really... You're even allowed to pray for a miracle. You shouldn't rely on a miracle. But in prayer, Even when you have, you're on the gallows and you're about to chop your head off, you still pray because God can make a miracle. He makes miracles because people pray. And now you know Gamara says, let's talk about this in a few minutes, people don't recognize their own miracles. Do we recognize the miracle that you know? You guys are sitting here, this miracle? You know, 90 years ago in Chevron, there were boys like you sitting here, and a bunch of Arabs came in and slaughtered, 39 and everyone had to run away. And 200 years ago, there were no Jews to slaughter. There was no one here but Arabs. What well, a miracle. Or do we recognize the miracle? Where does this miracle come from? How is 7 million Jews living in a country surrounded by hundreds of millions of, of ISIS and jihad? And I can, can't even keep track anymore of how many different groups there are. How does this miracle happen? And the whole world condemns Israel and the United Nations Security Council and nothing else. After 70 years of a country, you condemn them for building a few houses someplace. How does this miracle exist? The answer is millions of Jews for thousands of years Praying billions, probably trillions, of prayers of Shlaim uh, Yechob Rachman Tashuv bring us back to Shlaim, and finally, after trillions of prayers, the miracle happened, and it keeps on going, keeps on going, as you know. You look at news every day, another miracle. We're a yesh, we have power. But the power is by being an iron, by realizing that we're powerless. That's what the time is trying to bring out. You have to, I think his basic idea is iron, his basic idea is that we're really nothing, but that being nothing gives us the power to be something. I, I want to say something like that about Talmud Torah, because you guys are learning. You no, know, I, I as, as the Rav said, I published the Shulam of Rabbi Salavetshe So I remember when I first came into the Rav Shir, um a little while ago. So there was this guy there. And I saw that he's a very good boy. He's a very good boy. He's now a, a, a Rosh Hashiv in Yushleim. His name is Michal Shorkin, not by Shorkin. He's in Torah's Moshe, a big Rebbe. So at that time, he was in the Shir. So I, had, I spoke to him after the Shir. So he says to me, I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you a basic principle of how you should succeed here with the Rav, with Rabbi salvation He says, you, you, you come into that sheer, and he called, he, remember, she's not, he wasn't a chassid at all, a real lit for Shefela from uh, Basa Talmud, uh, uh, the Mirror, Shiva. He says, You be mavatel, he used the word be mavatel, which is a He says, Be mavatel, he, he didn't say yesh, but he said, Be mavatel yourself. You're nothing. The Rav, he knows everything. You know nothing. That's when you come in. You think I know nothing, I said i, I, I didn 't know something. I thought no. he said, you come in that year, you know nothing. Just listen, you know nothing, and you listen to his question and and see how he 's grappling with the question and see how he 's finally resolving the question and learn how to think okay he 's teaching you how to think. So I, I I really listened to him. I, I started to do that. Uh, coming to that she, I prepared for the shear for many hours. Uh, but coming to the shear I, I would sit down and say, I really know nothing about the Gemara, nothing. And you know, I'd learned the Gemara seven hours, and I could probably say it back and forth by heart. He said, I know nothing. I want to hear what the Rav is saying. Listen to his question, which I follow his thinking day after day day after day day after day for many many years till finally my mind started to think like the Rav then maybe four or five years later I would walk into this shir and I would already 90% of what he was going to say I had in, in here because it came by itself my mind had been butter my own thinking was null I was thinking like the Rav that's what Shurkin told me at the time. It's exactly what the Tanya says in general that a person should begin with the ayin and then he becomes a yesh. It's true about Talmud Torah, it's very, very important. If you come in, I know everything, I, and it's very sad. You know, I'm a Rebbe, Bokshem, 46 years. I've seen a lot, a lot of Talmudim the ones who are matzliach are the ones who come in with the attitude, I'm an I and I don't know, I want the Rebbe to teach me. The ones who come in and say, I know already, I'm, I know. He's not competing with the Rebbe, saying a better shot right away they, they're not matzliach so much, not with this Rebbe. So uh, the Korach Abitl is basic... I want to speak a little bit about marriage. Now, you know, you guys are almost going to think of getting married. Very important in marriage is this bitter hayesh, to be an ayin. Uh, there's a tremendous problem, incredible problem in today's marriages. That is that both sides are coming in with yesh, yeshus. Me, me, and me. And I took you because you're going to serve me. Everything is the me. And both sides are saying that. Terrible. Terrible. Because, as we said before, you can't control other people. It's just, God made people to be separate and to be independent. God did not want people to be controlled. In fact, we have a celebration. How come... Uh, Malchus, the king in Israel. So many hundreds of years we didn't have a king, and and then when you had a king, it didn't last very long. David and Shlomo, and then it splits. Now, close to two thousand years, no king, because the idea of a king is control. But Judaism is against control. Judaism doesn't want people controlling other people. Ubacharta, you choose, Bachaim but you don't control other people, you can try to control yourself. That's the point. So, but if you you try to get control over other people, other people try to get control over you, it's going to be a lot of problems, a lot of problems. Uh, it doesn't work, For both sides, it doesn't work with Jews. Maybe it works with Chinese, but not with Jews. <laughs> Uh, you can't control a billion Chinese you can't control two Jews I'm telling you. Uh, the only way you get any kind of thing with Jews is you, have to, you can influence Jews and then they'll make the decision to do what they want and you hope it's close to what you want but don't, you can never get control ever I don't even. I never. I don't even try. It's decades. I'm not even trying to get any control of any talmud whatsoever. <laughs> Do what you want. Just listen and think about what I'm saying, and maybe you'll use it. That's my attitude. There's no control. Can't control Jews. Are, the shame. Rishmon speaks about this. Like comes from the Morale. is trying to explain why is it that Jews are always fighting with one another. So Morale says because God made us independent because he gave us independent thinking. So when people are independent thinkers, you're not going to be subject to other people. And that's why, if it's a certain way, some misuse of that power of independent thinking creates arguments. Sometimes they're not healthy arguments. But... But basically, what's good is that you should be an independent thinker. You you have to make your own decisions. So getting back to marriage, when you come into marriage, you want to control that other person? Is that going to work? Can that work? Will it ever work? The best way to go into marriage is with... Like Yaakov's midah. Ayin. I'm going in just to serve. I'm going in to serve. I'm not coming in to control. I'm not coming in to get. I'm coming to give. I'm a giver. I'm not a taker. If you you come into marriage as an ayin, and both sides come in as an ayin, that's going to be the most beautiful marriage on the planet. If both sides are givers, and not takers. Timur says, You have to give her more than you want for yourself. She's one, She's number one, you're number two. And the opposite, she, think about her husband also that way. So the ayin, the ayin is the basis of successful happy marriages. The ayin is the basis have successful and learning and Torah. The Ayin is the basis of successful prayer. But we have to be a Yesh. We have to be people who do things. We can't. We can't. I just want to make this point: the Christianity, which came out of Judaism, Christianity sanctified the Ayin. Being nothing. And uh, they completely mvatel the yesh. They don't have any mitzvos, just faith. That's why their religion is a failure. First of all, it can't work in today's society, which is so much on the yesh, on the me and power and How can a religion which preaches that you're nothing? the works. That's why Christianity is is, is out today. But uh, but the, but but what's wrong about it in general is that you can't have an ayin without a yesh. God gave us mitzvah. So overall, the idea of a mitzvah <coughs> means that you have power to do good things. You're supposed to do good things, and you have the power to do good things. La the God put man into the and woman into the world to do things. So the s'lam say, kim lasso." God created the world lasso to continue to do. Who does the lasso? People. People do the lasso. We have to do. We have to realize that we have tremendous power. We have tsalamelo kim. We were given God's image. We have tremendous power. <coughs> Main thing is we keep God as our partner. In the Yesh side. There's, there's an I inside, but the, the Yesh side is a very very important. I, I gave a speech a while ago. I don't even remember all the details, but I remember at that speech, I was trying to figure out in Judaism and the Torah, which side is more is more important: is it the Ayin side or the Yesh side? Obviously, you have to have the nullification and and the, and the being. You know, I am, but I'm not. To be or not to be, Shakespeare's question. I'm a, i am do be, and I'm not to be. Okay, Yesh Ayin. But which is more important than Judaism? So Tfilife, which we explained, is really both. Now let's say you go to Talmud Torah. Talmud Torah is much more a function of the yesh. Even though when you're listening to a shir, you should, you should be mevatal yourself and an ayin. But when you're learning in the base of medrash, you open opening up the gemara. It's you. You have power. You're supposed to think. You're supposed to, to grapple. You're supposed to have a position. You're supposed to be an independent thinker that's the whole point of Torah, that you are a yesh, that's why the Gemara quotes all these people, because everybody's, and it's very important in the Gemara to keep track of the name. Who said that? said, some, No, someone else said that. And then sometimes the Gemara gives you a list. He said in the name of this fellow, and that was the name of that fellow, another fellow. What's it's so important to know all these names, because that man was a thinker, and this is his thought, and he has his name on the thought. Very important, you know, you should have a notebook and you write down your chiddush, my idea. That's what Torah is all about. So, Torah, I think, even though in the learning from a Rebbe, it's the ayin, it's the nullification, but when you're learning by yourself or with a chavusa, then it's the yesh. You have to be very strong, you have to be very independent, creative. This is my idea. So he wants you to think that way. This, by the way, was Yosef. Yosef, he's the representative, the independent thinker, the creative thinker. The independent creative thinker can save civilization. (coughs) He can save civilization. The guy who thought up the idea of the DNA, the independent thinker, how many medical advances have come out of that the guy thought about maybe you can split the atom have a independent thinker the Torah wants that very much so in Talmud Torah the emphasis really is on being a yesh and in tefillah it's I and V'yesh now what about chesed the third pillar very much being a yesh, you have to do, we can't, we're not allowed to sit back and say, you know, like in the East, Eastern religions, so the monks sit in the monasteries and they meditate for for 12, 14, 16 hours a day, the people out in the street are starving, dying, no one cares, in the uh, Tibet, but the monks, they're in their spiritual world, what happened to chesed? doesn't exist. Because in that spiritual world of the monks, they are iron. You know, the nullification of self is very important in Eastern uh, religions. But where's the yesh? You're not doing anything. So why did God give you a body? Why did God put you in this world? You could sat and meditate in heaven on God's greatness. You don't have to come to this world. Obviously, there are things to do in this world. Shibala Kim Lassos. So you have to be a yesh, you have to get out there and do. So when, when you, you're in the yeshiva, so it's a combination of, of nullification, because you, you sort of wipe out what I think I knew, what I thought I knew. I find that I really don't know very much. So I'm an ayin, I learn from my rebbe's and from my uh, people, peers. And then I become an independent thinker, I become a tamachacham. I can think and I can have opinions. And I learn how to pray, nullification of self. I'm very powerless, but I do have God's gift of power of prayer. And then I leave the yeshiva, I go out. Why do I go out? To do. i just finish with a little story. Uh, I always have to have a little story. Uh, I, I had this boy came to my shi'a in YU, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. And uh, he was good, 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 boy, good Bacher, right? Good boy. And I said, where, where are you from? He said, I come from the University of Minnesota. I decided to transfer to YU. I said, Well, I, I can understand why. He says, Yeah, I, you know, it's a yeshiva there. It's not, there's no yeshiva there. And have yeshiva with a college, so I can do both. I said, What were you doing in Minnesota? He says, Well, you know, I was very active, was the head of the Hillel. Jewish club on campus we did a lot of things and, but you know I wasn't learning that much Torah so I came here for after yeshiva I said great he spends the year with us he does very nicely and at the end of the year he comes to me he says Rebbe I'm leaving so what's going on So I'm going back to Minnesota I said really you didn't accomplish learning he says yeah I did learn Torah but I didn't do anything here just learning college didn't do anything there, I was helping hundreds of Jewish kids. I was running Shabbos and other programs and protesting. I don't know, at the time, or maybe there was still pro- I don't know, we are always protesting something. So. Protesting. I said, okay. Brach so As I said, I don't try to control Talmud. Brach of Go back to Minnesota do your thing. Okay, a few months later, the next year comes around, and, and there's a big protest. Uh, again, I forget what it was all about. But in Washington, D.C., there was some huge Jewish protest a front rally. And everyone's going down to Washington, D.C. So I went down on the bus with the YU guys. And we got to this big park by the Capitol. And there's tens of thousands of Jews there rallying or protesting about something. And, uh, and boom, there's this guy, my talmud, right there. I said, Shalom Aleichem, what's going on? He says, I'm here. I said, what are you doing here? He says, look, you see these 50 kids? I brought them from Minnesota for the protest. So I said, so what would you say? He says, it's unbelievable. He says, now I'm back in Minnesota, I'm doing so much. I'm again president of the Hillel. We're running Friday night dinners. And as you see, we come down to Jewish rallies. It's amazing. Uh, So what I saw like this, this guy, he understood a very important thing. When he goes to Minnesota, or somebody goes to Stony Brook, you're not there, he's not there to become an iron, to become a nothing, and be overwhelmed by this non-Jewish culture, and, and everybody else, what's going on around him. He's there to be a yesh. He's going back to Minnesota, to Stony Brook, to do something. To do something for the world, for the Jewish people. He's not going back to become nothing and just you know study and, and go on with his career and maybe hang on to his Judaism. Remember some things he learned in the yeshiva when he was in Israel. He's going there to do something for Judaism, for Torah, for Hashem, for Am Yisrael. That's what chesed is. Chesed means when you go out, you have, you're charged. You have a mission. Wherever you go, you have that mission to help other Jews. So you have to be a yesh. You have to be something. And that you get from the Talmud Torah. When you get that Talmud Torah, yesh, you're something, you have ideas, you, th- you can think. Then you go out and you do the chesed, and you can do. So this is the three pillars. Torah, avodah, gemilash Learning Torah, praying, and doing. And that's asheba'olakim Kimlas. that God created us to do. Okay, bruchavatslocha.